You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. This is Live from the Table, the official podcast of New York's world-famous Comedy Cellar Comedy Club, coming at you on Sirius XM 99, Raw Dog, and the Ridecast Podcast Network. This is Dan Natterman, and I'm here with Noam Dwarman, the owner of the world-famous Comedy Cellar. He is coming to us from the great state of Maine, where he's on vacation. Imperial Ashenbrand is in Westchester somewhere. And we have with us Sugar Sammy, who we've been, uh, I think, trying to get for a while. So we're glad he's here. One of the hottest comedians on the international circuit. He has performed in 32 countries in English, French, Hindu, and Punjabi. He's, what is that word, quatrilingual? Lingual? I don't even know. And he's one of the four judges on the French version of America's Got Talent, which is called La France, La France a un incroyable talent. My accent is terrible, Sammy. <laughs> and a coach on its spinoff show, Le, Le Bataille du Jury. And uh, he's been featured in the New York Times, Washington Post, GQ France. Declared the funniest man in France is a Quebecer, according to GQ. He is from Quebec, from Montreal. Are you coming? To, Sammy, where are you now? Are you in France or Montreal? In Montreal. So uh, I've been here since March 15th, quarantining. They had to, we had to flee France. We had to leave France in a big hurry uh, before they shut down all the borders to come, to come here. So. Well, you, you, uh, so you were living in France prior to this? Yeah, we, re- we actually ran into each other in France. Yes, um, it's Sebastian Marks and the English so uh, comedy show. Exactly, and it's if an people comedy. aren't you uh, <laughs> aren't familiar, Dan actually does stand up in Paris, and I think you've done it in French as well, right? I have done it in French. My bilingualism is not as impressive as you. You're you're a native level speaker, essentially, in English and French. Is that fair to say? Yeah, but for an American, you're pretty stellar. For American, I'm the best there is. <laughs> but you know, in that limited discipline, as far as yeah. I know, a bilingual stand up in French and English. How is your French so good, Dan, but your accent so bad? Well, it's an interesting question. Uh, Accents are very tricky after a certain age. Very, very difficult. You look at Henry Kissinger, who speaks perfect English, but he talks like this. And Arnold Schwarzenegger, who still talks like this, you know, whatever he does. So, um, and these are people that have been living here for decades. So obviously mine is is not going to be any better than those people. So, So where did you pick up your French? Well, I didn't pick it up. I, uh, well, I, I learned it. I mean, pick it up makes it sound like I just kind of absorbed it. I <laughs> learned it through hard work over the past 15 years. But don't be too impressed. It's mostly because I have nothing else going on. I don't have a family. Uh, my career is lackluster. So there's time to, to learn. And I find Periel's weird way of speaking a lot less explicable than your French accent. But go ahead. Perio's what more uh, less explicable? Your your weird way of speaking is a lot less understandable to me, explicable to me than Dan's accent in French. What's my You're, weird way of speaking? No native no native born speaker talks like you. Well, I I think Perio her her voice is similar to a lot of women in her uh, demographic, but in any case. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's what's her demographic? I'm well, curious. you know, it's too broad from Westchester. <laughs> I'm I, I resent that. I'm actually a Jew broad from Queens. Okay, fair enough. Sammy, you can't say that you're not Jewish. He um, can say it. Well, he's he's uh, he's intersectional. Yeah. Sammy is. Uh, I don't know if I can say it. I can think it, but I don't think I can say it. <laughs> you can say it around <laughs> us. Sammy is your Indian. Is that correct? A Hindu Indian. That's right. That's right. Uh, not uh, Indian of, of the north. Not uh, Indian from the south, like Kamala Harris's uh, mom's side. Well, we'll but, get to uh, Kamala. Yeah. But you also Kamala. speak Ka- Kamala. That is correct. I'm sorry, Kamala Harris. Kamala. Um, Noam has some very strong opinions about her, but we'll get to that. But Sammy, he can't you also say pre- those, but he can think them. 
Well, I'll say you say them. They're not ethnically related. They're related to her competence and to her uh, her record as a prosecutor. But you you're also you do comedy in Hindu and Punjabi. Hindi, yeah. Hindi and Punjabi. Yeah. Is it? But but your Hindi. I'm going to take a guess here and say that it's not quite at the level of your French and your English. Uh, my French and English, I think uh, I get to practice more often, but my Punjabi, I speak uh, every day with my parents. So I grew up speaking Punjabi. So I would say Hindi is where I'm the most rusty right now. But uh, as soon as I get back into, if I start touring India or if I do any Indian shows, it's, I pick, you know, it starts coming back. But if, you're, if your Hindi is limited to your parents, then necessarily, you know, you're not going to be able to, I would imagine, unless you talk to your parents like you talk to your friends, but I doubt that you do, is going to be a lot of vocabulary that you don't have you, you know it's to say the, the hindi equivalent of i was you know, i was chilling with my friends i was chilling with my boys you might not be able to say in hindi because you don't talk that way with your parents no but you're able to still adjust you know like you, you know like, like you're able to adjust to when you got to speak to someone in the corporate world as opposed to you know someone <laughs> so, someone you know a close friend of yours or someone at the uh, but do, you have, but do you speak Hindi with close friends or is it limited to parents and family? Uh, parents and family for now. But when I start, you know, when I start uh, touring, uh, you know, in India or whenever I do uh, the Indian shows, then, you know, it comes back very quickly and I'm, I'm able to adjust. Between your English and your French, is, is there any difference in level or it's both equally as, as perfect? I think it depends on the time. So what happens is like if I'll be doing, if I'll be in an English environment, for a long time, then my English gets better and my French drops off. And then as soon as I go back to France, I'll start touring Quebec, you know, uh, after a couple of weeks, like I'll start getting my French back, you know? So it's, it depends on, on which environment because it's a full immersion, right? So you're thinking in that language all the time. It's so like it takes a while for your brain to adjust. It's like Dan's bisexuality. <laughs> yeah. Well, in any case, um... <laughs> Some people that are bilingual like that, like Mike Ward was telling me that he, he is, um, you know, Mike, he, he's a bilingual comic in Quebec as well. Yeah. And yeah. he was, I think he was saying this, is that he, his English is not quite as good or as, as, um, as rich as a unilingual English speaker, and his French is not quite as rich as a unilingual French speaker. By the way, he might not have said that. Somebody, somebody told me that. Um, but I've read that, you know, like, in other words, like, I'm, a, I, you know, all these unilingual English speakers, um, you know, even though they're unilingual, they, they have a vast reservoir to choose from. They can speak English like a Southerner, like an English person from England. They can speak hip hop, Ebonic. There's, there's all kinds of different way, ways of speaking English. It's a very rich tapestry that, that somebody that's bilingual might not have had the time to develop all that. I don't know if there's any truth to that. Well, I think uh, what happens is sometimes, like, if I'll be, like, let's say, touring the States, I'll just be chatting with someone, the word, you know, one word might come to me in French first, and I'll have to translate it because I just got there. But, you know, after, like, six, seven weeks of touring, then it's like, I, I don't even think about speaking French. And the same thing when I'm in France, or even when I'm in Quebec, because the French, are, you know, the French is different. The language is different in Quebec than it is in France. So, like, I'll have to adjust when I get there. And then sometimes, yeah, you're right. When you're bilingual or trilingual, quadrilingual, a word will come to you in a different language. You know, when in the middle of a sentence, you don't have to like work hard to find the equivalent word. So yeah, whereas a unilingual person has no choice. They only know that word in one language. But, but a unilingual person is, I was also, it's like, just there's so much like, you know, would you know how to like, would you know like uh, that groovy is old fashioned? And would you like if you wanted to talk like somebody from Shakespeare's time? Could you do that? Could you imitate Elizabethan English? So, I mean, there's just so many things that that the unilingual comedian has access to. And I wonder if right. who's a bilingual comedian have access to all those sorts of things. Or if you wanted to imitate an Englishman, would you say it was a bit dodgy? I was in the lift, you know, with my mate. I and and, and you'd be able to do that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you could. I, I've toured the UK, so I was able to to pick that up, you know. So it's all about immersion. It depends on where you're immersed, you know. Okay. <laughs> trying to tear you down a little bit. I was trying to knock you down to size a little bit, you know, but... Um, yeah, because the adaptation isn't a, necessarily a linguistic one. It's a cultural one more than anything. 
Now, now getting into that, Noam's been. I'm going to try to get to a topic that Noam. This is not interesting to Noam, you know. But I'll try to get in. It is interesting. I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation. Okay, okay. He's he's zoning he's zoning out right now. No, I'm I'm listening. <laughs> I, I I don't know. What can I offer about bilingual comedy? I'm just listening. Do you, like, you like now? Do you do you bring the Indian? Now, so you're a Canadian Indian or an Indian Canadian? I don't know if you do that in Canada. Do you have those hyphens that we have here? I, here we'll yeah, say American. Well, we wouldn't say an American Indian because that's First Nations, what you call First Nations. We would say an Indian American. Would you say an Indian Canadian? I guess so. I mean, I don't just walk around identifying myself that way. But yeah, I guess if you had to, <laughs> you could. If, 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 uh, if someone had to uh, put out an APB on me, yeah, I'd be an Indo-Canadian running around the streets. <laughs> well, do you hear in America, as you know, we're obsessed with this sort of thing. And of course, Kamala Harris was just... Um, you know, she was just uh, the VP pick for uh, Biden, and 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 many people are focusing on her ethnicity. And this will be the first woman of color, the first Indian, the first African American woman. So it's a big thing here. Is it like in Canada? Do you find the Indian experience as you've been in America? Do you find it different there? It, grow, growing up Indian, would you say it's different? And then the yeah. Yeah, it depends on which part of Canada you grow up in. I mean, like, you know, uh, like if you grow up in Toronto, Ontario, it's a different experience than if you grow up in Quebec City, you know. But yeah, I think uh, mostly, uh, you know, in Canada, that kind of thing is is kind of encouraged and, uh, and you know, they're very welcoming. And it's, uh, it's, it's almost like, you know, get to know your neighbor, embrace every culture and, you know, make it a part of your everyday to... To, to, to embrace these differences rather than have them divide you. you know? So I think that's one of those things Canada stands for. You know, I think you, you, you kind of see that with Justin Trudeau and his international image. It's, uh, it's pretty powerful out there, you know, I think, uh, and it, it speaks for itself. So, so you, you're happy and you, you don't, a lot of Canadian comics, I know they're trying to get their American citizenship or they're trying to get a green card. You're not in that category or are you? I mean, I'm not, I have a, a work visa for the States. So when I tour the States, I don't just show up illegally, you know, uh, but, uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, you know, why only limit yourself to the, to the U S. So I always think to myself, you know, open yourself up to the world. So I always, you know, make it a point to tour as many countries as I can and, and, and broaden uh, my horizons and make sure that I can, uh, instead of just having the U S having, you know, a, a way more, um, broad view of the world internationally. I mean, and I think that's what's happening anyways. You see what Netflix are signing specials from Mexico, from India, from Brazil. And, you know, there's, there's, there's going to start, there's starting to become that like international voice that you're starting to see that international and people have an appetite to learn from other cultures as well and learn from, from those things. And I actually have that appetite to actually go into different cultures and see if I can connect different countries, you know, um, so there's, the more the merrier for me. There's still a sense among a lot of comics that America's still the mecca of stand-up comedy, and and, to, and the, you know, uh, and that it, it's just it's a place where you, if you're a comic, you want to come here and you want to uh, do comedy here for the prestige value. Yeah, no, I love it. It's what it's definitely one of my favorite places to tour. But uh, you know, I still tour Canada, the UK, uh, you know, Australia, India, France, you know, I'm spending a lot of time in France. So, I mean, to me, it's like, uh, it's, it's one amongst many, but I love touring the States. One of my favorite places for sure. And, you know, uh, it's a different, um, every, every uh, circuit is different. In the U.S., it's very comedy club based. Then you move on to theaters where as sometimes in places like France, it's like, you know, you prepare your one-man show and then you're out doing theaters all of a sudden, you know, and you start from a small theater and you move to a big theater. Can I ask you a question? So, uh, what was it? What, why did you refer to the difference between Northern India and Southern India? Explain that. Like if, if you know, I, if, if somebody would say, that, oh, so-and-so is also from America, I don't know if I'd like to say, oh, they come from that Southern part of America. So like, what's, what's the difference that you're bringing out there between North and well, South? Well, because they, they, uh, they spoke about... Um, about uh, Kamala Harris, and they said uh, uh, that she was uh, Tamil from the south. So that's, that was just a, a fact. And you know, I'm Punjabi from the north. So it's kind of like, you know, England does that. The Northerners, the Southerners, there's London, there's Newcastle. Um, and I guess you guys have that too, where people say, hey, I'm from New York, or hey, I'm from the Midwest, or hey, I'm a California girl, or, you know, so I right, think it's just it's like a characteristic. Not, it's not anything uh, that's, uh, you know, 
Uh, I don't think he meant it in the value statement. No, I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm, not, I'm not buying it at all. I know he didn't. Well, there there might be an. You know, I don't know what region considers themselves is more prestigious uh, necessarily. You know, I mean, there are stereotypes about Southerners in the United States that are negative. Uh, I, think, I mean, India has like one of the biggest caste systems in the world. Still, I think that um, you know places like Rajasthan and like all of that, I think are considered a little bit, um, I don't know, snootier than places like Kerala or Goa. Am I wrong? Well, it depends. I guess whichever place you're from is the most prestigious to you, right? It's always that way. Are you accusing and, him of being a part of the caste system of <laughs> No, I'm merely pointing out that your question um, actually does have some validity. I mean, I would say that the North in most places of the world have those connotations, whether or not they're accurate, including in America, right? I mean, the North is a little bit snottier than the South. We look down on them. We think that, you know, New York- For some reason, North, like the South Bronx is, is you know, the, for some reason the South, I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's accurate. Don't scream. <laughs> why, but why is it? There's no rational reason that the South that Southern things are better. Are, no, in England, it's the opposite. In England, it's the opposite. The South is more prestigious, and the North, are those are the hillbillies. That's right. So that, that, that's kind of a counterexample. But I do think, it, for some reason, there does seem to be a lot of, in the world, like Northern Italy and Southern Italy. It's exactly. Just, you know, they, I mean, I don't know if I examined all the regions of the world, whether Northern is usually more prestigious than Southern, but it does seem that there's a pattern. I, it, maybe not. not. Not below the equator. No. <laughs> North, North, it it translates into all kinds of things. I mean, remember even hip-hop had East Side, West Side going on. Comics don't do that, though. Is there a rivalry between... There is a rivalry between L.A. and New York comics, Well, right? I, I wouldn't say so much a rivalry. There's a snobbery amongst New York comics that we're smarter and better. <laughs> uh, and that, well, that, that exists, and that's based on the fact that and L.A. is... smarter seen, and better. Well, that makes <laughs> Well, New York in general is perceived as, as, as a smarter city than L.A. You know, we're a serious city. There's lots going on here. We got banking. We got technology. We have uh, media. They're prettier, though. They're pretty. You know what? I, I, I know people say that. I'm not so sure that's true. I don't know if I'd put New York comics on, on TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, L.A. comics are beautiful. Come well, on, man. and New York comics and L.A. comics are often the same people. I mean, Ray Romano was a New York comic until he moved to L.A., and he hasn't been back in 20 years or more since his show. Seinfeld, where there's nothing more New York than Seinfeld. Well, actually, he lives here now. But for a while, he was in L.A. because that's where TV is or was. Rogan was in New York, wasn't he? What was? Wasn't Rogan in New York years ago? Joe Rogan? I, I'm not sure, but it could be. So, I mean, yeah, it's often it's the same people we, that go out to L.A. and become TV, TV stars sometimes. But, um, but the, sen the perception is, is that L.A. is not serious stand-up. People go to L.A. just to be on TV. People yeah. in New York are here because they love stand-up. They want to do stand-ups. I don't know. What's that? Well, the LA comics just go there to, and people in, in LA get on stage. It's almost like an audition for a pilot. Yeah, that's the perception anyway. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, because why, why that, would you, what's that? I thought they think the irony is, is that everybody wants to be on TV or most people who are in this industry want to be on TV in some capacity. Less so, but yeah, I think so, you know, but, but, um, yeah, so, so you know, um, but yet um, there are comics that, that are on TV, but they still live here and they go out there when they need to for television. So maybe that's the difference. You know, like Chris Rock lives here. He lives in Jersey, but he goes to L.A. when he needs to be there. Uh, Chappelle lives in Ohio, so I don't know. You know, that's, that's, he's right there. He's, he's neither west nor east. But... Um, in any case, so 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 you you host the America's Got Talent of France. I'm one of the judges, yeah. So I'm one of the not, judges. Not the host, the judge, one of the judges. Yeah. And you're from Quebec, so I why did they pick you? I well, you um, know, in the American version, we have a, we have people from England, so I guess that's similar. Uh, well, I was you know I, when I was there, I was starting to tour uh, France, and then you know my 
my live tour started to get some traction and got bigger and bigger. And then, you know, once I became sort of a, a name there, they were like, okay, well, we're looking for a judge. Do you want to do it? And, you know, we had a few interviews for a couple of months and then that, that was it. So who else do you have? Probably nobody we would know. Maybe uh, I would have heard of them, but there's uh, Hélène Segarra, who's like uh, uh, a singer. Um, we have uh, Marianne James. So we have two singers. And then we have Eric Antoine, who's like this, magician comedian as well so the four of us are the judges there and yeah. it's the same it's the same format as uh, as the american show i guess you yeah it's exactly the same format it's one of the biggest formats in the world i didn't know that i think it is the biggest format in the world they have them in almost every country now yeah well, you know, I, i'm an i'm an alumni of america's got talent my my yeah. la- well my latest <laughs> I was on there back uh, in January for what's called the Champions, where they, pe- right. they pe- bring people back from previous seasons, and then Simon Cowell proceeded to give me an X. I wow. don't know if you saw that or you knew that. I didn't know that. Yes, he get, uh, at, thankfully toward the end of my performance. Now, recently, he broke his back on an electric bicycle. And so you might be wondering whether <laughs> I get some satisfaction out of that. <laughs> but but uh, the truth is, I feel bad for the the guy i get i don't i don't know if i feel bad for him i mean he's a how can you not feel bad for him he broke his back dan what the yeah. fuck's the matter with you how bad is it to break your back i know breaking your neck is really bad he, he's hurt why wouldn't you feel bad for him he gave him a neck i feel, I, I feel bad but the question is how bad yeah <laughs> you feel bad but not too bad so so um, i mean he, he will recover i gather i again i don't know how serious it is to break your back it does sound awful you'll recover from your ex <laughs> But the first time you went there, you killed it. I remember that. That was like uh, those big. Uh, that was five years ago. Yeah, I killed it, and then I didn't kill it. I killed it, and then I stopped killing it at, at a certain point. But but uh, you also then really sort of put him in his place in a very major yeah, way. I did. I, I did, but it didn't. Ultimately, it didn't do me much good. I thought I said to him, Sammy, you don't know your ass from your elbow when it comes to comedy. Nice. He said it in a way <laughs> that got a lot of laughs, and people enjoyed it. And I thought he it liked was it. And Simon enjoyed it. I thought it would at least it would go viral, but the truth is it hasn't. You know, it's got like 200,000 whatever on YouTube. It's not viral. It, it didn't really help me out. The truth is doing, doing, doing the champions, in retrospect, if I had to do it again, I probably wouldn't do it again. But, but um, you know, I, it's, it's like everything. You, take. you say that about all your sexual experiences, too. You know, you don't <laughs> no, know, you no, know. no, no, I don't. Most did, uh, did they filter your material at all? Did they, did they tell you you can't do this and watch out for that? We can't yeah, I did, they did. They, for example, I had a joke about uh, fat people. Um, not even fat women. Fat women, I, I avoid talking about fat women. Okay. Um, I did have they're not people, about, right? Because <laughs> they're not people. The judge, right? To call a woman fat is, 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 is so harsh and so devastating. That no, because you said I have a joke about fat people, but not women. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I didn't even put that together. Yeah, I have a joke about fat men. Right. About a fat guy. I joke yeah. about a fat guy checking into a hotel where there's a fitness center. And the guy ahead of him, they say, oh, we have a fitness center on the second floor. And then the fat guy goes up and he says, okay, uh, well, here's your key and that's all you need to know. But So in other words, they don't tell the fat guy about the fitness center. Right. Um, that's a summary of the joke. But in any case, they said you couldn't do that because it's, it's, it's mean to fat folk. Now, what's the world come to? You can't even make fun of fat people. You know, so, so they did, they did um, censor me uh, with regard to that joke. And um, I, I, there probably were some other things they censored me with. But, um, yeah, they, so the answer is they do. But how, how, how far in advance did they make you, did they give you the warning that you had to do that? It wasn't like right before you went on. No, I went in there with like with jokes. And they said, okay, you can do this joke, this joke, but you can't do this joke. You do this joke and this joke. But like a couple weeks before, like that day? Uh, yeah, I think it was a week before. But, okay. but then, then there's some last minute changes too where they rethink it like, you know what, we're not thrilled about that joke. But it's, it's, it, that's not an issue. I mean, my jokes, I can mix and match and sub in and sub out. I don't really have to practice them. They're all practiced. So if they at the last minute say, you can't do this joke, but you can do this joke, that's not a big deal. I don't find it to be a big deal, you know, but... Um, but they do do that, you know. Didn't so. they also tell you you couldn't do the joke about your cousin? No, I did that one. My cousin Sheila? I, didn't I do that one? I think I did. I think I did. About my cousin Sheila. I, uh, about having sex with my cousin Sheila. Or not having <laughs> sex with her, but, but she comes over for... St- I'm pretty sure I did that one. 
Um, so can I ask to... Sammy a question? Yeah, go ahead. That's what that's what he's here for to be asked questions. Uh, you know, we're we're experiencing a, a at least in the in the Western world uh, an explosion of uh, color, color consciousness, and I'm wondering, if, would you say that um, being a person of color in 2020 is uh, helpful to you, a hindrance to you, or does it matter either way? Um. I don't, to me, it doesn't matter. I mean, look, I just do my thing on stage and, you know, a lot of people say, is it tougher to be a comic today? I think it, it makes you a better writer to have a few obstacles. I think it forces you to write material, even like face topics you're not supposed to, but, you know, figuring out your way in and how to get away with it and how to make it smooth so that it can, it can work so that it's palpable. That's, I think, the biggest, the toughest thing, but I think it's actually a challenge. It's pretty fun to do. So you're always like, okay, I want to talk about this. I know people might get mad now. How do I do this, you know, and get away with it? I think it makes it kind of fun. Like that's, that's to me, it's a, it's a bigger challenge, you know? And, you know, our favorite comics, if you look at it, the ones that we've always celebrated are the ones who pissed a few people off, you know, back in the day. The people we always say we loved, you know, like the, the Priors and the Lenny Bruces, et cetera. Those, those are the ones we always name. So why are we trying to do that with our comedians now? But, you know, one thing is, when a comedian is like, when you're, you know, time and distance makes it palpable. Meaning like Lenny Bruce right now, you see it as, wow, that was great. But, you know, in his time, you got arrested, you know. And, you know, if you look at like Ricky Gervais doing something in England, you're like, wow, that was amazing. Or doing something, you know, getting away with it and some people getting pissed off because it's somewhere else. But when it happens in front of you, I think it's sometimes it's a little more of a shock. But I think it's, uh, it, you know every comedian in every decade had their challenges. And I think, uh, you know, we're not without them and you have to almost embrace them and say, okay, now let's try to figure our way in. And I think that's, that's kind of our job as well. You know, okay. no, we were talking about, Noam and I talk about that in, all, all the time um, is whether or not it's, it's worse today insofar as uh, things you cannot say and, 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 and the, the fear of getting canceled because you say something wrong. Is it, is, and, and I think the, the answer is it's worse today because of social media, but I'm not sure, I'm not sure people are less tolerant in general, but social media yeah. has, rendered, has rendered things more difficult. That, that's yeah, my it's, Yeah, it's also gotta be up to you. Like how much do you care, you know? Like how much do you care about that and how much do you say to yourself, I don't care, I'm gonna do it anyway. You know, like for me, I definitely, you know, go into topics of race, you know, sexuality, politics, and I face it and I'm like, look, if something happens, it happens. And, you know, at the same time, I, I want to be able to do what I do and my fan base loves it. And, um, you know, I think stand up is that place where, you know, we're the ones who are supposed to address those things first. We're the ones who are supposed to address those things first because you never have committees filtering. You, you don't have to pass it by, you know. Uh, what is it called? The FCC in, uh, in, uh, yeah. Yeah. So you, you don't have to go through the network. You don't have to go through it. You just, you on stage. Right. So for me, I've always had that point of view and I've always said, you know, how now, like, because people are getting a little madder about it, I've got to write, the material's got to be better. I don't think people are demanding with what you say. It's how good the material is, how good the joke is, how intelligent the joke is. I think they're more demanding with the level of material you got to bring. I think that's good. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I do have more latitude because you're a person of color. Like, Dan pretty much can't make jokes about race anymore. Um, but you're Jewish, no? Well, we, we don't count as far as that's concerned. <laughs> we're not considered oppressed. And we're not <laughs> oppressed, as a general matter. Um, you, sh you should argue that. That should be the top of your, your set, should argue about how you're just as oppressed as the rest of us and then you can get away with it well i could make that argument i don't know if it would it would convince anybody <laughs> you gotta figure it out then you gotta figure it out i think that's the key the but that's not really my world. my as a comedian i don't you know and maybe i should and maybe this is the reason i i'm not a bigger act is i i, I don't push those boundaries i talk about my yeah, cousin, but sheila i talk about the you know i don't talk about these weighty issues uh, generally. You used to have a joke how you'd sell a brother out for some pussy. Well, I, still or something. <laughs> I still do that joke. But that's not, that, that's, 
that's not a that's not really tackling any racial issues. That's just saying, look, I'm not a racist, but if a hot chick is racist, I'll get with her, you know, and I'll <laughs> pretend to be a racist. But they, I'm great, not really great. challenging it. I'm not going up there and saying, you know, cop like I wouldn't even touch within a hundred miles on state, even though we touch it here on the podcast. The, the statistics about police brutality and, and, and Noam brought up on a previous episode that actually there is some evidence to suggest that police do not kill black men uh, disproportionately. I, I didn't bring that up. Oh, that was somebody else. <laughs> well, in any way, oh, it's, no, been yeah. brought, it's been brought up. Yeah. Whether it's true or not, I'd have to research the statistics, but it's something I wouldn't touch with a hundred foot pole on stage. And that, that's the kind of shit that I'd be afraid to talk about uh, because I don't think the audience would, would tolerate it. Yeah, well, we've been moving backwards then. I mean, there was a time not that long ago where, where we were kind of at a place where you could really talk about anything. There, there was a time when really there was, there was no holes barred and maybe we're just returning back to a historical norm, but um, it's bad now, you know. It'll come back. I think the pendulum always swings back, right? So I think we've been through political correctness, political correctness in the 90s as well. I remember in the 90s, the early 90s was a big thing, you know? I remember uh, coming out of high school and everybody's like, oh, you got to watch it. You have to be politically correct. That's when I learned the term. So um, I think, uh, you know, you always have those, uh, those waves of like times where you can say anything and times where people are a little more sensitive and they'll get tired of this shit eventually. I mean, there's, right still some, yeah, it, there's still some white straight male white comics that say whatever the fuck they want and totally get away with it and are really well but who for example but they and they and who i mean at the sort of most nick, success nick DePaula might maybe one example bill but nick burr, bill burr uh, chris de stefano i'm not sure they're saying but first of all i haven't i don't watch their acts uh, but I don't know what they're saying. I, I don't know what they're saying, but I don't know if they're saying anything quite as, and maybe they're not saying it because they don't believe it, but uh, I think there's certain topics they would be hesitant to, 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 to address. You know. I'm just saying they, they're-, they're I'm, The truth is I'm not intimately familiar with their acts. I mean, they're- where, where, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sad reality, I, and I, I really think it is sad, of something that's changed forever, which is, the past used to be the past in every way. People didn't walk around with recording equipment. They didn't, they didn't have the ability to, to memorialize something. A newspaper went in the garbage and then it faded away. A news story went on. It was, and so whatever happened, you insulted somebody, whatever it is, within 24 to 48 hours, you'd have to do a lot of work even to be able to to, to bring it up again, to find it, to document it, go to the, mm. the library, get microfiche or something. So it just now, I mean, we're all paranoid about somebody having their, their cell phone recording in their pocket. There's somebody at the next table recording us. I, I, I recently had some just conversations in my house where people got scared that, well, what if somebody might be recording, you know, just like, just, wow. and, and, you know, just like people are just, Paranoid people would, pref you know, work in jobs and where um, in politically incorrect things could get them in trouble. And there's no going back to that. It's only going to get worse. Your eyeglasses are going to have, right? You know, but that, that's a function of technology, not of basic human nature. But the, I mean, do no. you think um, that basic right. human nature is less tolerant of other ideas now? Right. But what I'm saying so in the '90s, we may have had a, a, a period where a political where political correctness was a concern. But it was fleeting. Like even if you violated it, there not, nothing could happen to you. Right, right, right. Uh, it, it, if the memory of what you even said faded away. You couldn't prove what you said. I didn't say that. Yes, you did. I, all right, whatever. I thought you. I thought that's what you said. Now it's like no. Here it is. And by the way, it's all over Twitter, and the whole country knows about it. I mean, just think about that too. You, you, we, we, you, if you have something that's bad on somebody, you could distribute it to the entire planet Earth. Instantly, and it does go to the entire planet Earth. You yeah. couldn't do that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I remember the first examples of that. Uh, that's a good point. The first examples of that were like Justine Sacco. Remember Justine Sacco, that, that girl who tweeted she was going to South Africa, and she's like, I hope I don't get AIDS. Oh, uh, yeah. oh just kidding, I'm white. And then she tweeted it and then took a plane from London. And that's 10 right. hours later, like the tweet went viral. She was all over the news and got fired. It's a big, it's like a big, almost cautionary tale. It was like a mini documentary about her. 
So that happened yeah. like that was like 10 years ago. That was yeah. like, and that's, those... and that's totally a joke a comedian would have told on stage right. back in those days. Totally a comedian. That would have been like an outrageous joke that somebody would tell. Right. And everybody would go, ooh. And now nobody would, you know, but they would take it as a joke. Yeah, she lost everything. I think yeah. they took away, like, they took away everything. She got fired by the time she landed. It's and hard, there was a hashtag man. going on, has Justine landed yet? And oh you know, <laughs> her phone blew up. It was crazy. I'd forgotten about that. That's a good one of those stories. I'd forgotten about that. Well, another one was Michael Richards. Yeah. Michael Richards. Michael Richards. Michael Richards. Yeah. But and, even think of it, go ahead, go ahead. I'll, I want to about them. Go okay, ahead. go ahead. Because no, I had a question after, uh, for you guys. Well, even, even Michael Richards, which, let's see, that went, that was before cell phone, but it was, you know, it, it went everywhere because he was such a big star at the time. It was right after Seinfeld had ended. But even him... That night or two nights later, he went on the David Letterman show to talk about it. You know, he yeah. wasn't actually canceled. And um, now when something similar, well, there was something similar that happened uh, with Jimmy Kimmel and everybody started crying. Who was it? It was supposed to go. Oh, Norm MacDonald had said some things forgiving of Louis C.K. or something. Right. And he got in trouble and then they canceled his appearance on the Fallon show or the Kimmel show before Jesus. he went on. Yeah, yeah. Just well, a lot of it is, is, and we were talking about this on the last week with, I uh, forgot his name, Jason? Was it Jason? Uh, that, that, Justin, I'm sorry. A lot of it is because people get scared. So uh, if, if, if the network executives and the film executives and the comedy club owners get scared, they might overreact. So, you know, Noam could have very easily, back in the Louis C.K. scandal era, said, Louis, you can't work here anymore, but he didn't do that. And when Louis came, we found out that the audience was happy to see him in general, except yeah. for one or two exceptions. Is but, this but, an American but, but you, thing? Pardon? Is it an American thing? I don't know. You can ask our Canadian in residence. I, that's, I, I'm asking. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Dan. No, yeah. I, I haven't seen much of that in Canada um, in terms of like what you say on stage. I mean, people have been canceled for stuff they've done off stage, like for for behavior, for sure, for sexual harassment and things like that. Yes. I mean, I, you, you can actually, I think that's not just a bad the last thing. guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch, there are a bunch of Canadian people who, who, who've, uh, who've had that, especially recently in Quebec. But, um, but in terms of what you say on stage, I haven't seen that in France or in Canada. Uh, yes. The French comedian that was like arrested or something, because in France you have laws there that you're not allowed to be racist. Right, 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 right. right. You actually have laws that restrict. In America, they would never fly because the Constitution says freedom of speech. But in France, yeah. if I said, if you if you said in France I hate the N word, okay, would that be illegal? I, I'm not intimately familiar with the law there. I don't know. I mean, I didn't really look into it because I wasn't planning on saying it. But um, but I think uh, with Dieudonné. And with guys like uh, like that, he I mean he didn't really get canceled because he didn't have uh, like he didn't have a TV series or anything like that. But they they were just there was like they were trying to prosecute him for something he said. But he 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 started doing shows in his own theater, so he just self produced in terms of a stand up. And I mean I know here Mike Ward got in trouble for something as well for a joke that he did um, about this kid here. And that was all over. And he's going to Supreme Court to fight that. But he's still invited on the TV shows. He still has his podcast. He still tours. Um, and he's still very well respected as a comic. That's what I'm, I'm wondering. Like, is that a choice, Noam, that you have to make sometimes where people can get, like, you know, customers can get mad or someone from the industry or you'll get lobbying groups who will be like, hey, we don't want you to book this person. You have to make that decision. One second. What's the question? Go so ahead. The question is, have you ever had to have have you ever had to make that decision because people were lobbying so hard to take a comedian off stage, off your no, stage? I, to... No, I, I've never had to make that decision. Um, but we, it, it, we, for, we, ha I haven't had to make that against canceling anybody for anything. And I, and I get more and more extreme by the day including sexual harassment, not that I'm tolerant of sexual harassment, but I just, I just don't believe in private um, retribution for perceived 
misbehavior of people. I mean, you see, like in Canada, it's like there's this whole there's a whole blackface, you know. Yeah, no, you're cutting out up there. And we know it's, it's uh, so. Well, go ahead then. No, you're you're back. I'm saying, saying, saying. I'm saying it's until Justin Trudeau shows up in blackface, and then all of a sudden we go easy on the blackface. And I, you guys can hear me because I want to say something else. Yeah, you can right. hear me. Yeah. Yeah. So I was telling Carriel, I think it was yesterday, that it wasn't that long ago where really, basically, everybody met their mates at work. If you think about it, there was no internet. There was no internet dating. Uh, where would you meet a girl? You'd meet them at work. And that, now that there's the internet, I guess, and that's supposedly the way civilized people meet, I don't know. We've, we've, we've made it seem like any two people who are working together who want to you know, uh, flirt or, or test the waters about dating are somehow harassers. And this just isn't true. And what happens is probably in every organization, there's probably a hundred different couples on the down low that nobody knows about, right? And then there's one dummy who went, tried to go out with some girl who, who didn't like it and she turns him in and now he's a sexual harasser. And then everybody pretends that they're not themselves banging somebody that they're working with who was open to it. So there wasn't harassment. And I, I just not buying it. You know, this guy McDonald's is getting sued now because he was having these consensual relationships with people at work. And I'm pretty convinced that um, these consensual relationships are going on in every single organization on planet Earth where they're permitted to be going on and people are denying they're going. She has stopped doing. I'm not, I'm not buying it. But but there's no campaign against meeting somebody at work. The campaign is against no. Uh, but the but the thing is that when somebody then asks somebody out at work, and it's and it's not received uh, happily, they get in big trouble and they're called out as some sort of monster. You know, there's there's other examples where people are where a boss is taking out their dicks and saying, if you don't suck it, you're fired. You know, that's, that's a whole nother thing, but that's illegal. And the court system should, should absolutely handle that. But we're, 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 um, we're at a time now where people are scared even to think about dating each other because they're afraid they'll be accused of harassment. Well, I haven't heard anybody like being accused of harassment for asking someone out. I mean, oh, yeah. I, for, for asking someone out, being like, hey, you want to go out for a drink? Yeah, absolutely. Or if you know, the last twice and say was it was aggressively asking, or yeah, this is it's very or or they'll get fired. There's you know there's non uh, there's policies now everywhere that you're not allowed to date. So oh, wow. then by, right, so then by asking, you're kind of like trying to violate the policy, so that can get you you have good, but so you can avoid that fuck up, you know. But some dudes are idiots and they really don't know. We know we know these guys. Some guys will not take no for an answer. They, it's so clear that the girl's not into them, but they still, they still see it. I, I, don't, I think it's genetic. They just don't know any better. So, yeah, to be clear, I'm not, I'm not excusing that horrible sexual harassment. I'm just, can we, I just think there's a lot. Of, can we talk? lying uh, about a lot of stuff. We don't have much time. I do want to get to Kamala because it's such a, Kamala, I'm sorry. Because yeah. it's such a huge story. I do want to talk a little bit about Kamala Harris, who is now the vice presidential uh, nominee, which I was expecting uh, Rice, but in any case, I know a lot of Amer Indians in America are excited about this, at least from what I read online, that now they're, you know, they're going, they see themselves maybe in the White House or maybe as vice president. Now, you're Canadian, but since America is so important in the world, I was wondering what you th think about it. I don't care. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so <laughs> I think uh, right now it's... Um, uh, it's cool because she had a Montreal connection too. So a lot of Canadians are happy about that too. She lived in Montreal. She studied in Montreal for like five years. So everybody's Montrealers are claiming or, or you know, are, are claiming her as their own right now as well. So she studied like she did high school here or, or something like that for five years or uh, elementary school, one of the two. But uh, I think it's an interesting choice. Uh, I think she's definitely good for sound bites. I mean, she's, you know, we've seen her in the debates. I've seen her, uh, you know, in front of Congress. She's good at like 
creating uh, moments that'll end up in media and that are good in terms of sound bites and creating news stories, you know, so uh, and headlines. So I think it's a good choice because I think Biden, I think, is you know, I don't think is charismatic enough to win on his own. So I think it's almost like when you're voting for the Democrats, it's you're voting for you know a team of two. You're not voting for the president. You you have to look at it as a team. Whereas Trump, people love Trump, love Trump. Well, and also Pence is just there. You know? Given given Biden's age and his lack of robustness one wonders whether his vice president will necessarily become the president. So we could be. Yeah, looking, right. <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, you know, Kamala there's a very good chance that she'll end up as president. So, so that's another, uh, but, but Noam is, is not, Noam, I want to know if you think that this was a wise choice politically for Biden. I know you don't like Kamala, uh, but I, but do you think it's helpful to his campaign? What, what does Harry Anton have to say, by the way, did you talk to him? I think Noam got cut. Noam? Hello? Amir, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what Harry thinks. Um, I should ask him. I, 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 I mean, I don't know if it's a good choice or not. It, it might be. It might be. More likely to get elected. I, I, actually, I don't think it's a good choice. I don't think it's a good choice. But I don't, I don't think it's a, a devastating choice. But I don't think it was the best choice he could make. But why do you who, say that? You have put, who would you have uh, had there? Well, I mean, the, I, I would not have, I actually liked Susan Rice, even though I don't agree with her politically, but I am going to just first say that I, I don't know why we have to buy into the idea that it had to be a woman, a, a woman of color. Uh, I, don't, I don't like that sort of thing. And, and the polls showed that more than 90% of black Americans black. didn't think it had that it should be chosen based on color. So what I'm saying is that if you would zoom out to the entire group of people qualified to be president, if it wasn't limited to women of color, I would think people like Klobuchar would be a better choice. If, if we are going to accept the premise that it has to be a woman of color, um, I think Susan Rice would have been much better because she's ready to take office on January 19th. She has a lot of experience. Uh, she's, um, has a tremendous resume. She's a woman of accomplishment. I don't think Kamala Harris has done anything. Uh, and she was a corrupt, she was a corrupt prosecutor or a dirty prosecutor. Yeah. Well, you see, I think people don't really vote on, they don't really vote on specifics, right? They vote on people who are inspirational. They vote on people who exude trust. So whenever you see her in the debates or you see any TV appearances, with her in them, you feel that, you know, you feel like, you know, she's inspiring, she's confident. She, no, she exudes, I, I disagree. You know? I, disagree. I, I see what? that automatically. Yeah, she, I, mean, she, I saw it at the Democratic debates. We saw her, you, you know, she created moments in those debates where everybody else was falling asleep. Well, let me tell you, let me, let me tell you why I think you're not correct, both personally and then empirically. Personally, I, when, when she accused Joe Biden of being a, a racist and all that stuff, I thought that was despicable, um, and I and I was really offended by that. But then, the empirical evidence is that she sank like a stone in the polls to the point where she dropped out. I think before any primaries or after the first primary, she had almost zero support. So she she did not she did not win people over, as you're saying. She she might have won over a segment of people, but um, I think. I think she began to wear thin after a while where I think you have a good moment like that. And people say, Oh, look at her. She seems like something. And then after three or four of them, you say, you know what? This seems a little phony to me. Like she just seems to be like practicing these moment things and that's all she's got. But um, having said all that really my beef with her is that she is widely reported to have kept to, to fought, to keep innocent people in prison after she knew they were innocent. And I just can't, I can't process that. That to me is just evil. But do you think most electors will hold on to that? No, but the thing is in, 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 in America, um, you know, she doesn't need to run up the score in California, New York. She needs to win those 70,000 votes in the white working class swing states who voted for Obama, then switched to Trump, and now we want them to switch back to Biden. And those people, I don't think, are so enthralled 
with Kamala Harris. I, I don't think the people who switched to Trump are like, oh, good, there's Kamala Harris. I'm switching back. I, yeah. I think I, I don't think that's wise in that sense. Um, I think that um, Susan Rice might have been good for that because no, I mean, they, they might have some fondness for Obama. You know, what? Your sound is terrible. Maybe for next week you can get a better. I, 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 next week I'll be home it's just because I'm in Maine. But the best choice would have been Klobuchar or one of these. Um, moderate Midwestern governors or senators who speak the language of swing states. That would be the, the normal strategy of picking a vice president. Okay, now, hypothetically, if Biden would have convinced Michelle Obama, would that work? Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, I think that would have over, that wouldn't it? Probably, probably. Yeah. But, but even, but, 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 but I'm, I don't know, I don't know the, the polling in the swing states it it is it is it requires constant rem, reminding yourself to say wait a second we're talking about Ohio Wisconsin like it's only a few states and only a few districts in those states that matter and would Michelle Obama be the most powerful force in those states probably maybe not maybe the really the most powerful force would be just a really straightforward white uh, uh, middle of the road or black middle of the road, but um, uh, you know, someone who identifies with the, that kind of middle of the road Midwestern mentality. You know, I, I actually don't think it needs to be white. But you know, if if you're trying to, I mean, if you're cynically trying to win back the racist vote, as it were, that voted for Trump, you're trying to win elections here. I'm not, I'm not endorsing the racist vote, but I'm saying you know, very cold, calculated politics. If you want to make a play for those people who were enticed by Trump with his immigration talk and all that stuff, then maybe you do want to have a vice president who, who looks more like those people, you know, in a very just like cold calculated way. I don't know. So do you think Trump's going to win again? No, I don't, I don't think he is. I think he's so far behind that none of this even matters. I think he's going to win again. Yes. So so do I. I think he's going to win. He's totally going to win again. Well, if if you think he's if you think he's going to win again, then Kamala Harris. If you think he's going to win again, then Kamala Harris really isn't the best choice. I don't. Well, think the thing is, it's not Kamala Harris against Trump; it's Biden right. against Trump. Exactly. You know? Yeah. No, but um, the thing is that more than any other election, probably in history. People are looking at this vice president and saying she may take over the first week in office. Like they don't, nobody knows what's up with Biden. So they are really judging her. And if Biden was elected and Biden ran away with it, presumably because he was moderate and people say to themselves, well, I, I voted for him because he's a moderate, but if he may be gone by February and the person and his vice president is exactly the person I didn't want to vote for. That sounds like a bad strategy to me. Yeah, but I think there's no, no one can save Biden from being Biden. You know what I mean? Like, I think no matter who you would have put there, it's going to be people are either voting for Trump or against Trump. That's what the election is. That's what the election was the last time. It's pro or against Trump. It's not Trump yeah. or Biden. And that's yeah. why I think Trump has a better chance because he has his base is actually his votership are passionate about him. No one's passionate about Biden. Well, and the thing is, is Kamala, you know, if it were Michelle Obama, I wonder if he would inspire black people to go out and vote. She would inspire black people to go out and vote. I don't know that Kamala's going to do it. They don't yeah. need the black vote. Well, if they don't need that one, well, I guess that's another story if they don't need the black vote. Can uh, I ask a question? Is everybody looking at the United States for years now from your end of the world, like it's, and especially now with this whole COVID thing, like we are just like the biggest fucking disaster nightmare on the planet. Yeah, we're actually happy that there's a travel ban and you guys can't come see us. <laughs> well, is that true? Um, sorry? Is that true? 
No, no I was just joking. But uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, but, uh, and that's the thing. Yeah, right? I'm sure. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there is a lot of the world that that does feel that way. But you know, I think uh, it's fun to have you guys here as tourists as well. We you know, get that. We are beloved, Perry. I'll answer your question. Are you? When I yes, we are. They, they first of all, we're still for all our faults. We're still a huge destination for immigrants, and we're still a pop cultural uh, center. And when, when I go to France and talk to the comedians there, they talk about our comedy. And uh, that's just in our little world of stand-up. But I can tell you that they still consider America the center of stand-up comedy. Well, that and, I, mean, um, I wasn't referring to just comedy, though. I was referring to more the world. Of I'm just saying we're still, we're still the land of Instagram, the land of Facebook. We still set the tone. We're still DJing this party, you know. Am I right, Sammy? Yeah, I mean, look, they're good. there's good and there's bad, right? So when you're, when you're the biggest, uh, you know, there's, there, there are going to be people who are going to watch you all the time and they're going to admire some of the things you do and they're going to frown upon some of the things you do. And yeah, certain things politically, obviously, internationally, uh, people don't uh, adore America for. But like uh, Dan was saying, pop culture music, Hollywood, I mean, all of this. I'm not talking uh, about that stuff, though. I'm talking specifically about politics and now COVID, which I could argue is related to politics. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I think politically, uh, worldwide, obviously, I think a lot of people, you know, it's, it's, it's not the country that's seen as the most politically savvy to them right now. But, uh, but, you know, a lot of other advantages. Yeah, but politically, yeah. I remember when Trump won, I was in France. It was a period of mourning in France. There was like two days where everything was quiet. People couldn't believe it. <laughs> but, that, but that shows you the power of America, you know, that people are so concerned with, with what goes on here. Yeah. And, you know, when Obama won, black people around the world saw it as a victory for them, uh, you know. So, um, yeah, totally. And then when Trump won, people around the world saw it as a tragedy for all of us. Yeah. Many well, did, others didn't, you know, but, um, yeah, I guess w whatever steps America makes, you know, they resonate throughout the world and they affect the rest of the world. I mean, you guys hold a lot of power, uh, uh in every way, monetarily, militarily, you know, you guys hold a lot of power. So, with that comes a lot of scrutiny. I think, uh, I think it's normal to see when you know when when the world feels safe that America's in good hands. You're gonna get uh, you're gonna get the applause, and when it, it feels like you know America isn't in good hands, you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get a different reaction. How are we doing on Quebec separatism? Is that issue still alive? Very quickly, we don't have much time. Uh, I think it's pretty dead now. It's calmed down, uh, but lots of other issues here. You know, definitely uh, lots of other issues. Immigration's an issue here as well. Uh, integration's an issue here. It's huge right now. So there's a lot of that going on. Uh, that talk, you know, amongst other things going on. So politically, it's still, uh, you know, it's still uh, pretty charged up with a lot of issues. Yeah, well, this is one of the things that Periel, I, uh, I think, doesn't fully think about, like, and I don't even know the answer, but like Periel, you know, hates the idea that Trump wants to control the border. But I don't necessarily think that that plays so badly in a lot of other countries. That plays a lot worse in America than I think in a lot of other countries. They're like, yeah, of course they should control the border. We control our border. And, we, and yeah, we don't, we're, we already, we, we have plenty of, we have more immigrants in our country than we want. So they're, they're not furious like with Trump because he's trying to control immigrants in America. So don't think that... Um, you know, other countries necessarily see it through this, through your eyes. You know, they, they, I think what they all agree on is that he's kind of a buffoon. Right. But I don't think they react as so negatively to some of the policies as you do. I don't necessarily, for the record, have an issue with controlling the border. I have a very big issue with how the border is controlled. Sammy, you ever get to New York? Yeah, I, I headlined um, Caroline's uh, uh, in February. <laughs> how can you just stop by the cellar i'd love to i'd love to I'll, I'll reach out next time i'm usually not in town long enough so i come into headline so i'm there for you know a couple days before doing press 
but I'll come in next time and just uh, you know spend he a week. Come to the headline, so he's not just hanging. So he's busy, you know. He's not just hanging around. Come after the show. I, I want. There's a lot of things I want to tell you, but I can't tell you in public. All right. No, I'd love to. <laughs> I'd love to stop in. I'm gonna make an effort to come to New York when all this is over to just hang out and and uh, maybe you know play some. Uh, do by the some way, quarter sets. Yeah. By the way, my wife is Indian, but you're not gonna like this. She's from Trinidad. I have an uncle from Trinidad. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she's Trinidadian. They call them Tobago. She, she's from Trinidad, right? Because we they don't like people from Tobago. They call it Trini. That's what they got. It's not a tranny, which is a bad word. Trini. Trini is a Trinidadian, I believe. That's the slang. A Trini. I'm going. I got to go. Okay. Thank you, Sammy. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, if you want to plug your... Uh, yeah, you know, where, your, where can we find plug, you? Plug away, I got to... All right, Sugar Sammy everywhere, SugarSammy.com, Sugar Sammy on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. Amazing. Thank you so much. Okay, you Thank can you uh, contact us at uh, podcast.comedyseller.com. And, and Perielle normally gives the Instagram address, but she's frozen solid. So... Uh, We'll see you next time on Live from the Table. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.